Hey, 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 welcome into another episode of Halos in the Infield, the podcast, as we are continuing our off-season rants and discussions about the Angels and also other things that are in the news baseball-wise. I'm your host, Todd Fox, with the other host of the show. The Lone Star Halo, Fernando. Checking in from his new man cave, work in progress. It's not quite there yet. It is a work in progress. Exactly, but <laughs> he's making close. some end rows, as you can see. He's showing off those beautiful bobbleheads and those jerseys. And he's sporting that nice-looking jersey as well from the Lone Star State. Oh, snap, Nike. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're going to check in here with uh, some World Series talk. And what else are we going to be talking about? We'll talk a little bit about guys who have so far been extended qualifying offers, what that means, and what it might look like if the Angels sign one, two, maybe ten of these guys. You know, we'll, we'll just kind of go from there and see what else we end up talking uh, this offseason. Exactly. We're going to also uh, maybe do a little wish list, a little Santa's wish list for the Angels to see what kind of players would fit this uh, system. As we've had a couple, I don't know if you want to dig that up out of our actual page, uh, a projected that projection that Randy wanted would be his all, uh, awesome free agent offseason acquisitions for the Angels. Um, but before we get to that, we got to touch on what just happened, which was the Astros uh, winning their second World Series in uh, six years. And, uh, and you know, this team has just been mashing since they've been in our division. Uh, they took out a surprise Philadelphia Phillies team, which uh, played with a lot of heart. But in the end, uh, they got stymied by that Astros pitching, man. Uh, thoughts on the World Series? I'm trying to find the rainy thing. Oh, uh, I mean, were you? did you predict Astros in six or Astros in seven? Astros in six, yeah. Okay, I said Astros in five. Uh, I mean, the Astros were the better team. You know what? I'm going to throw my hatred of the team to the side for a second. They were the better team. And um, I don't know if they were the best team in baseball this year, roster-wise. But at the end of the day, they won the series. So it doesn't matter if they were the best team in baseball, roster-wise. They won the big game. And, hey, you know what? They get their second ring. What will come out of it? Who knows? Will it be legitimate? You never know. We'll wait four or five years down the line and see what happens. But, you know, as of right now, it's their first legitimate World Series under their, what people are now calling a dynasty. I don't know if you can call an organization a dynasty after one legitimate ring and one that's crustier than the Dodgers World Series ring. I'm a, you know, you know my thoughts on that one, uh, but I, I I don't know. Yeah, it's it's kind of up to, to debate. If they were to win next year as well, I think you'd have to throw them in there as a dynasty. Um, six straight years to the uh, to the ALCS, and then also you know getting into the World Series um, three times, I believe it was, or four times now. Um, you know they they've done their due diligence, man. And Verlander, for all the the stuff that we thought he was going to finally fall off. Uh, he found the fountain of youth this year. You had Javier, Christian Javier. I think it's his first name, Christian Javier. Uh, he pitched his ass off, was nearly in three no-hitters, uh, including one in the World Series. Uh, he did it against the Yankees. Um, you know, the guy was unstoppable at times. Um, you just had that lefty. Um, his name's escaping me with long hair. Um, he became their true ace along with Verlander. So in all actuality, they had a one, two, Alvarez? three. Yeah, Alvarez. There you go. Um and they're, and they're Valdez. both, Valdez. yeah, Valdez, Fr Framer Valdez. And uh, you couple that with the fact that, you know, you have 
arms in that bullpen where a guy just about, I believe, three years ago in uh, Will Smith was one of the hottest uh, pitchers out of the bullpen uh, for anybody and was a great playoff uh, bullpen pitcher for the Braves against the Dodgers and uh, in their World Series run. And he hardly makes an appearance in the World Series and hardly makes an appearance in the playoffs. So that should tell you, I mean, their, their bullpen was sick this year. Uh, a, a bunch of homegrown guys, a bunch of guys that got internationally. And, uh, you know, the offense did just enough. Uh, my dad was actually rooting for the Astros for some unknown reason. I think oh, I think it was because he wanted Dusty Baker to win that first World Series. And um, he kept saying, I mean, it was like clockwork. Every game he kept saying, boy, Alvarez hasn't done nothing in the World Series. Boy, he needs to do something. And he literally said it two seconds before Alvarez hit that uh, crushing home run against the Phillies. So... Um, when you have a guy not really performing like Alvarez, but the rest of the team, you had Pena be the MVP, uh, you know, uh, a guy like, uh, Altuve, rookie, right? what's that? He was a rookie, right? Pena? Yeah. This was his rookie season and a replacement for Correa. And, you know, they just fill the void. And then you have a guy like Altuve go over 27 and you win despite that. So you tell me, man, I mean, if they didn't cheat, this is probably the most legitimate world series they're ever going to get. Yeah, man. I mean, it's, it's the situation of an organization who knows what they're doing, right? You know, the guys in the organization from the bottom and rookie level all the way up buy into the process. They believe in the team. They believe in each other. They believe in the organization. They believe that the general manager and the entire front office is pointing the ship in the right direction. And I mean, you know, say what we want about 2017. Obviously, you know, it's proven they cheated. Um the fact of the matter is that they are in a much better place overall as an organization than we are. We still look at them and we're envious because they have what we don't. I'm not even talking about a World Series ring. I mean, you know, they have two. You know, we have one. But at the end of the day, man, it, it feels like that 20 years ago that we won was a literal different lifetime ago, right? Mm -hmm. And in all fairness... It kind of was. I mean, I think most people would agree. Like anything pre-COVID, literally feels like a different lifetime now. Yeah, and plus <laughs> it. Plus, not only that. I mean, the game was different. The game was completely different. Yeah, absolutely, different game of baseball. Yeah, it's it's completely different. Um, but I will say this. Um, and I'll ask you this real quick. Do you know the Astros owner? The name? No. That's a good thing. Uh, when you don't know an owner's name for a franchise until they're holding up your title set title or you know um championship or they're giving away a trophy the next season for a potential Cy Young award winner that's a good thing i think the the reason why franchises like the angels are where they are is because we have meddling owners you look in football dan snyder jerry jones uh owners like that they're not perennial winners or they have problems because they meddle too much Al Davis when he was alive for the Raiders. Uh, and, you know, um, there was uh, former owners in baseball that have just done too much to get in the way of their franchises being well run, like the old, former owner of the uh, Marlins when they were – they'd be good. He'd meddle with a the team. They'd tear him down, bring him back up. Um, it's just – But, see, they won two World Series in the span of a couple of years, right? Yeah, they, they won, I think, two in ten years. They won two in ten years because they – did. take that? I would take that because if you think about it too, I mean, 
if you think, I know we've touched on this before, but the 05 Angels, everyone felt strongly about them, should have won a World Series, should have, could have, would have. You feel strongly about the 09 Angels, uh, 14, so that, that's debatable. But if you put it into perspective, had the Angels won in 05 and had the Angels won in, in 09, you're talking, we're, we're talking just like you opened up with a potential dynasty for the Astros. I think you sh- you could have called the Angels a dynasty winning three titles in eight years. Um, even if they win two, it's Absolutely. debatable. You know what I mean? Uh, because they didn't cheat. They didn't have that one asterisk on their, on their season. So it's just, that's the problem, you know, that we face since those times is could have, would have, should have between that time period of everything being grace. But right now, you know, like you said, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, that, that, that Astros franchise is well run. They're not going away anytime soon. You know, one thing I one thing that's funny about the Angels is there's probably not a lot of other baseball organizations that generic uh, baseball fans would probably know all of their owners. Like you go up to, you know, like a Yankees fan, they might know all three Angels owners of all times. I mean, Gene Autry was a huge name, right? I mean, he mm-hmm. was at his time one of the biggest Hollywood celebrities transcendent. You know what I mean? He has a walk. Exactly. He, he could do everything. And he mm-hmm. did. There's a reason why he's won so many uh, Hollywood uh, stars, right? Um, the walk of fame. Yes. Is yes. What I mean, and then, you know, after him, it was Disney. Right. And I mean, you know, everyone knew that that was the, uh, <laughs> that that was Disney's team. Yeah. If you didn't know that they were owned by Disney, there was, there was, I mean, there was, they promoted the angels up and down, you know, so. Yeah, and then you have now Artie Moreno, and even before he turned into just the horrible owner and just horrible person and non-winner that he is right now, uh, he was the first Latino majority Mm -hmm. owner in professional sports. Mm -hmm. So that alone was probably enough for some people to know the name, right? I mean, that's a big deal. You know what I mean? He broke that barrier as the first Latino majority owner. It's that's a big deal. It is, and he was again. There was a lot of anticipation, a lot of hope for him to become a a well known owner and a respectful owner. And they thought that a, mi- a a minority owner would open the door for other minorities, and he'd be big in the community. So there was a lot of expectation with him. And I think right now he's you know routine, routinely. He has been in the news for just negativity. So it's not like we're seeing some of these owners that are giving back to the communities, that are building strong relationships with the fans, that are that are uh, committed to winning and, and being very vocal about it. Um, again, we're only seeing the negative over the last five years from Artie Moreno. And uh, I think that's, you know, it's sort of like the Dan Schneider thing in Washington. Um, there's really no positivity coming out of either organization right now. And you could tell that uh, it's not projecting wins on the field. Yeah, you know, and the people who think that Artie Moreno has been a successful owner because of his first decade in charge, you know, where the team was making continuous mm. playoff run. Was that really Artie Moreno or was that? still riding Disney's coattails. Say what you want about Disney, and most Angels fans will agree. They wanted Disney out. They're like, man, yep. this, these guys suck. Yep. And then Artie came along, and everyone's like, this guy's great. You know, mm-hmm. he's getting Vladimir Guerrero. He's getting Bartolo Colon. We're making postseason after postseason. But, you know, a, a lot of those moves were done by, you know, A, retaining guys who are in the farm system. B, 
B, trading key pieces who were drafted and built here to acquire certain talent. And then, you know, when there was gaps, the Angels were making good signings. Bartolo Colon was a great signing. I mean, he got a he got a Cy Young award in an Angels uniform. You know, that's not something that we can say a lot of in our franchise history, which is baffling to think because we've had some great pitchers in this organization. I agree. You know, Weaver, Nolan Ryan, uh, you know, Clyde Wright. I mean, none of these guys, and I just to name a few, none of these guys ever got a Cy Young. Chuck Finley, Mark Langston. There's yeah, Chuck Finley. You could have kept going. Yeah. I mean, there's 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 um you make a great point. I mean, look, I think that you know, I was one of those guys that you're talking about that I was upset that Disney owned them. I thought they didn't know what they were doing. But when you look back at things being hindsight 2020 if you look at the draft rankings if you look at the minor league rankings year by year you'd see the angels being very consistent uh for for a good period of time and and, and when guys would move on they'd pluck another guy and put them in the lineup or make that move that because they didn't have to it wasn't that hard back then it just seems over the last few years with the minor leagues being depleted and you know now it's getting to a good spot again but they you know you had to really do your work and you didn't have those resources to pull from the miners and then sometimes you didn't have the money to spend or you spent stupid so you know they've hamstrung themselves and i think you're absolutely correct i think already rode those first 7 to 8 years on you know on 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 the, the previous administration yeah, you know, writing guys who have been in the organization. And actually, uh, there's a podcast that the Super Halo Bros just put out on the uh, Locked on Angels when they were talking about what was really the downfall of the organization. And after talking and going through some of the general manager firings and things that had happened, they really tilted their focus toward John Carpino, who was hired in 2009. Coincidentally, when was really the last time the Angels were good? 2009. Yeah, they made the playoffs in 2014. Yeah, they were the best team in baseball record-wise. But what did that translate to? I mean, you look at this season with with the Dodgers. They were the best team in baseball record-wise. What did that translate to? You know, in baseball, all I've learned over the last really decade is that if you're the best team in baseball, you're not going to fare well in the playoffs. (laughs) Very seldom does the best team record-wise win a World Series. Why? Because that's the beauty in baseball. This isn't the NBA. This isn't the NFL. It is very, very hard to consistently buy championships in baseball in today's climate. And that's why we like the game of baseball. Because you have, you know, these sleeper teams. You have the Orioles making a random push at the end of the season. You know, you have the Angels who can all of a sudden turn it on next season in theory. You know, nobody, yeah, nobody really thought the Braves were going to win the World Series last year, right? I mean, yeah, no. it was kind of out of left field. It was, sure, people might have predicted a, a deep playoff run, but a World Series, there wasn't a lot of brackets that had them winning. The Dodgers winning last year? Sure. Look what happened. You know, the Nationals in 19, they got hot. They won the World Series. Look at every Giants team that we've seen really in our lifetime. You know what? 10, 12, 14. They were hot at the right time. Yeah, they were wild card winners each time they did it. So yep. I, I feel you right there. Like My only thing I'll say, though, is the exception was this year's Astros in a way because they won the most games yeah. in the American League. But if you look at, I think, the X factor is two things. 
for the Astros to accomplish what you've talked about, which is so hard to do is a first place team starting the season, working their way all the way through. It's the fact that you need a manager and it took a Dusty Baker, a legend, to keep those boys focused and to keep that team just, again, not getting too high, not getting too low, like like Mike Sosha would say. He was the perfect manager for that team. The general manager was was amazing with the moves and the balls to make some of those moves and a trust in what he had. And those guys just believed. And so it took literally everything to go right for that team to win that many games and win the World Series because otherwise, bro, let's say they don't have a strong-willed manager like Dusty Baker or they don't have a team that believes in itself like the Astros did this year. The Phillies most likely beat them in the World Series. And then we're talking about, a, yeah, another team that came out of nowhere that won the World Series because the Phillies weren't that far off. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, the Phillies, like you said, great season also, right? I mean, yeah. their trajectory was the same thing as the Angels. A struggling team fired their manager. The difference is the Phillies went up. The Angels went down, you know. Their plane got shot out of the sky and they drove straight down. That's exactly what happened. We really had no more positive. As soon as that 14-game losing streak started, our season was over. Yep. You know, the cord was plugged. I already pulled the cord on the season. It was over, man. <laughs> there was no heartbeat. There was nothing. And I, the thing that was, like, frustrating the most for us Angels fans – is we had said, like, hey, once again, we are a team without an identity. We don't have a direction. Because what the Angels should have done, and all the Angels fans will admit by now, is probably after 2015, they should have just tore it down. But they kept trying to rebuild on the fly. You know, they would never go all in on a rebuild. They would just try to retool. And this team has needed much more than retooling, essentially, since the last decade. I totally agree. I mean, you could only imagine where this team could be had they took a hard reset at some point. Yeah, it would have sucked for us as Angels fans, but I think it would take no longer than two, three years if the right moves were made to get this team back on track. I know we'd be playing a lot more competitive because, I mean, over the last four years prior to this season, you know, this season's the anomaly because, you know, we were able to see some progress. We were able to see some of these young guys for the first time as Angels fans on the postgame show where – pretty much nobody should have been tuning in. People were on there to talk about what's going on in Salt Lake, what's going on down there uh, with, the, with the trash pandas, uh, what's going on with the Sixers. Uh, people were excited to see that these guys are making inroads and they're moving up in the, in the rankings and, in the, uh, and the minor league system's getting – and the future looks nice now. And, uh, you know, the fact that the pitching wasn't the problem this year and it was the frustration of being completely out-hit every game or most nights, striking out too much – but at the end of the season, like you said, the team, for the most part, did not have an identity until we got out of it maybe late August, September. Renifo, guys like that were fueling this team. And all of a sudden, you started to see the young kids come up. They started doing handshakes and different things. And they started to play. And, yeah, it's a little too little too late. But maybe it's something we can carry over into next season. You know, there's, there's optimism. Yeah, our issue – really has been that there's been no culture that's been instituted. You know, you need the guys to be all in. You need them to believe in the situation. You know, um, who was it? it, it so uh, earlier, Ty Buttry made a tweet about, um, you know, how, how do pitchers have a blank mindset? Like, how how is that a good idea? 
And what I told him was that everything is all perspective. You know, you need the players and you as a player need to believe in what you're doing. Sometimes your strikeout pitch as a pitcher is not your best pitch. It's the one that's working that day. It's the one you're confident about. The players have to be all in on that moment of baseball. You know, if you're a batter, you have to be all in at the batter's box. And how many times do we see sloppy at bats? How many times do we see a guy who, you know, prevailed in the sense of, you know, Andrew Velasquez, and then he looked at the dugout and flipped his bat, like, you run the bases. You're on a 14-game <laughs> losing streak, brother. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just you have to be all in on what you're doing. And I just don't think that many of the players were all in this season. Yeah, and I think some of that comes with losing, some of that comes with leadership. So, I mean, you got to find the right balance. I keep going back to the Astros because they're the model. Uh, they're their model of, you know, you could look at the Dodgers too and be like, oh, well, they, they got the right organizational pieces there. And, yeah, in a way they do. But when it comes to postseason, they don't have it. But, you know, I wish we could get a culture like that to believe. Uh, I think that would make a huge difference. We've seen, you know, you reference teams that have come out of nowhere and they didn't have the talent per se even that the Angels had. But the thing was, these guys came through in the clutch because they believed every pitch was important, um, but then they had fun at the right time. They find the right balance. And I think as an organization, you have to have the right balance. You have to have a game plan and you have to be all in. And I think those things, those traits, we might have had one at a time. We've never had all of them at the same time. And, and the results are on the field. It's been a 500 or below team for the last God knows many years, eight years of not making the postseason. So we're again, trying to hit the reset button as fans and trying to say, okay, we're optimistic. We've seen a lot of changes. Things look different from last year compared to this year. We just need this or this to go our way. And then we could be there and the coaching staff and blah, blah, blah. So we're in that mode again, where, you know, if we have a pretty good free agents, uh, you know, signing here or there to fill the void or make a trade or two, you know, who knows? Uh, we, we, we're not that far away. I mean, we didn't, uh, if you look at things, yeah, you had three teams from the a from the NL East make the postseason: the Phils, Mets, and Braves. It's possible to happen in the American League again. The thing that prevented us was obviously our play. But had we gone played a little bit better, we probably still would have fallen short. You had three teams from the East make it, so our, we're going to be battling with Seattle and, and and Houston and Texas is going to be a pain in the butt next year, and Oakland's just going to be Oakland. But you know, we got to handle our stuff next year, and uh, there's going to be changes with the baseball. You know no shift uh pitch clock and you know unbalanced schedules gone so it's going to be a different year and can the angels adapt to that what do you think well you know perry made his attempt to sign the right guys you know th there's going to be some dudes who really have an advantage because there will be no shift i mean you know when walsh comes back hopefully he comes back healthy he's going to have the ability to now hit into a normal defense. Mm -hmm. You know, now I, now let me say this, when you say there's no shift, I think you're still allowed to shift to a degree. So for instance, the first base and the second baseman can still shift how they see fit. And the sh uh, shortstop and third baseman can shift on that side of the infield as they see fit. But what you can't do anymore is have three infielders on one side yep. or four infielders on one side. That's, I think, what they mean. I think you're still allowed to, you know, move your mm -hmm. infielders accordingly. So there's still a little bit of a shift, but, you know, we're not going to have 
three guys on the right side of first base when Jared Walsh is batting. Yeah, no infielder can be on the grass. Yeah, so, I mean, it'll be really interesting to see this year of baseball. I don't know if I'm going to like it right away. I mean, I hated the shift, Mm -hmm. but it was part of the game. You know, eat, sleep, beat the shift. That was just kind of what you had to do. But it's it's going to be interesting now to see how much it changes the game. The pitch clock is what it is, man. I mean, you know, you've heard it from minor leaguers plenty. You know, I, I know Ty's tweeted about it, and he has said that you know you, you just kind of get used to it. I think what you're going to see a change in is is quietly you're going to see more teams go for uh, fly ball pitchers and guys to get you know yeah, get pop ups and stuff like that because now. The art of having a ground ball pitcher, which a lot of pitch, pitchers have coveted over the last three years with a shift, um, those guys might not be finding jobs as easy as they thought before because now with the ground balls, I mean, you have better chances to hit the holes, man. And like if you say the second baseman shifting towards the middle between first and second, the middle's wide the hell open. You just got to poke it up the middle. Ain't nobody going to get it. So, uh, yeah, I think the emphasis will be on fly ball pitchers. It's going to be really interesting to see how much it changes certain guys like, you know, Joey Gallo, you know, Calhoun was still here. How much would that have changed his game? Yeah. What about if Pujols didn't retire? How much would that have changed his game? <laughs> He'll still these find a double guys... play. Yeah, that's fair. You know, these are just guys who notoriously hit into the shift. So, yeah. you know, guys like Otani have moments where he hits a lot into the shift, but then he also has moments where he beats the shift. And he's pretty True. good at it. Otani's just a super streaky hitter. He is. He is. I mean, it's just going to be weird, though. I mean, with that, with a shift being gone, he could go into prolonged, you know, highs this year. You know, he might not hit those those uh, those lows like he did, like where his average is dipping around two thirty to forty for a, a good stretch. Maybe, maybe he's going to be routinely three hundred. I mean, the thing with Otani is even when he did hit in this shift, I mean, he would almost beat out all those balls at first base and did beat it out a pretty decent mm. amount of times. Got a lot of speed on him. So, okay, let me ask you a quick question. Just mix it up real quick, unless you have any final thoughts about. Yeah. Okay, no. um, real quick, I want your take, man. Um, with the newest, you know, uh, tweets or whatever by Fletcher and Blum and others talking about the fact that Otani will not be traded. You know, Manassian's already come out and say he's not going to be traded. Is that an indication to you that he will be resigned? or an indication to you that they're going to get the most that they can out of him and then let him walk. So the organization really has to take account for what they want here. And it's going to have a lot to do with ownership, right? Mm -hmm. You know, if you are an owner who is spending billions of dollars, upwards of $3 billion to buy this organization, chances are you're going to be all in. Why would you waste $3 billion to, you know, tear it down? You want guys like Otani. Why? Because Otani brings exclusive partnerships. Otani brings exclusive uh, sponsors. Mm -hmm. Otani brings eyes from all over the world. You literally have an entire country in Japan who is fully engaged in this guy. People in Japan love Otani. And honestly, I feel like most baseball fans like Otani. You'd be really hard-pressed to find a baseball fan, a true baseball fan, who does not like him. And if you lose out on someone like him, that's going to be detrimental to your organization's worth. So 
you know, if I'm Artie Moreno, you got to go all in on trying to sign Shohei Otani. A, because it won't be your money much longer. Mm -hmm. And B, your organization's worth a lot more money with Shohei Otani in it than out. Good point. Let me just follow follow up on that. Do you think, I know Juan Soto doesn't transcend as much as Otani with those points you brought up about Otani. However, if the Nationals were to have held on to uh, Soto and a couple other players that they got rid of, and maybe they were flirting with maybe, you know, fourth place, trying to get close to third place and being sort of where the Angels are, do you think the Nationals are sold already since they've been on the market longer? Or do you think losing Soto and a few other players has devalued that franchise? I mean, you know, at the end of the day, I I think people would see the opportunity in Washington. Maybe your organization is not worth as much without Juan Soto, but I don't think you're going to lose much. I mean, you did just win a recent championship. You know, those the fans still attend there. You get a, a really nice stadium there on a nice part of town with, you know, there's a lot of entertainment around there. There's a lot of food options. It's very touristy down there. So I, I don't think that you're going to be having a lot of people who shy away because the team's not competitive. But I will say this about Juan Soto. The guy's a hell of a player, and I would love to see him in an Angels uniform one day. But the other thing I will say, you go up to 100 soccer moms who live in, I don't know, Texas, and you ask them who Juan Soto is, chances are maybe 15 or 20 of them know who he is. You ask them who Otani is, chances are 50 to 60 of them know who Otani is. Mm. Because... You know, Major League Baseball doesn't do as good of a job as it does marketing its players. Any true baseball fan will tell you that, and they'll agree. You know, the NFL markets their guys. I mean, they have goddamn Russell Wilson in a Subway commercial, and that guy's dog water this season, okay? <laughs> Cringe as hell, by the you way, know, in those Subway commercials. Uh, that's all it was. The Dangerous, or whatever <laughs> the hell he's doing. With this little airplane. I don't Cancel this guy already. <laughs> Do you need to give out that jersey, the one that says Sierra's bitch on it? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, like I was saying, I mean, you know, the NFL does a really good job of marketing their guys. Mm -hmm. People know Aaron Rodgers. People knew Tony Romo, Peyton Manning. You know, people know Tom Brady. These are names that just people know in general. You know, football fans, non-football fans. You know, you ask most people, they're going to know those guys. The NBA, you know, they did a great job with Kobe, you know, LeBron, Shaq. These are guys who are out there. You know, mm -hmm. Kevin Durant, probably more because of his social media antics, but he's out there. But, you know, you ask a handful of people about these, you know, star baseball players, you know, they've probably heard of guys like Mike Trout, Aaron Judge, sure. But, you know, then you get to those guys like, you know, Juan Soto, uh, Nolan Arenado, you know, Anthony Rizzo, these players who are very talented, very productive, very well known in the baseball community. But does the average Joe who works at Whataburger know those guys? Probably no. not. And that's baseball's fault. I agree because, I mean, the last transcendent players you saw that were marketed decently was Big Poppy. I think uh, Alex Rodriguez to an extent, and even though he was hated. But they always came off when you saw baseball Ken players. Ken Griffey Jr.? Yeah, Ken Griffey Jr. But see, they, if – Baseball players in commercials always seem too uptight, tense, and they look like they're uncomfortable in those commercials. Whereas NBA players like Shaq and when Kobe was live, RIP, 
and others, uh, Jordan, they could be playful, joke, uh, joking in commercials, funny. Uh, even Antetokounmpo, who who talks with an accent, he's very, he comes off very funny. He's very genuine. Uh, and then I think the only, and like you said, the NFL does it the best. You could take a guy with not much personality at all, but stick him with a State Farm guy like Pat Mahomes, and the commercials are gold. And 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 you could do that with a lot of other football players. Even like you said, Russell Wilson is cringe as funk, but he gets headlines. And um. <laughs> And, and, and so, so it's like I think you're absolutely right. Baseball has an identity problem if they were to get their players out there more, because there there are a lot of personalities in this game. You just got to know how to use them. And I think the the best one I've seen recently is the uh, shortstop, I believe, for the Mets. What's his name? Um, the Francisco Lindor. Yeah, Lindor. When he did the commercial about the guy getting fired, the Indeed commercials, he's actually really good in those. So I mean, if you you if you can utilize personalities like that, like I'd like to see um, what's his name from Chicago, the shortstop there. He should be in commercials. He's got a nice personality. Utilize your talents, you know, to, better to where you can get. Like even Justin Turner, I hate that guy for the Dodgers, but he did those A and PM commercials. And those were gold. So if you if you yeah. do if you do stuff like look that, like the the monster. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they play like the trash monster. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, people like a funny commercial. They don't want someone telling yeah. you how to refinance your house or get a second mortgage. They want you to to, to be out there, kind of playful, sell the sell the product at the same time, but be funny. And I think if baseball could could do that, like the NBA and the NFL, like you said, dude. I mean, it would only help the game. And, and, and another question I'm going to hit you on is just real quick because it will follow up to that Soto one because that was a good take. Um, let's just say the Angels get rid of Otani or he, he walks and this team is still in flux for a sale. Devalues the organization by how much in your opinion? I don't know if I can put an exact number on it because it's really going to depend on if the team just goes for just over $3 billion Well, Well, like a, like, a per, like a percentage, like, like the, the – the, what I what I meant to say is like devalues as far as percentage wise. How much do you think it it suffers? I mean, I would say a lot more than we think, or we would assume, because I mean, you know, there's sponsorships that literally will display right behind Otani when he's batting. Mm-hmm. You know, you get like the the Namco, you get uh, God, uh, what's that that game Ninjala. Na- you know, Japan Airlines sponsor his at bats. Yeah, yeah, Japan Airlines. Mm-hmm. They only sponsor Otani's at bats, or when he's pitching on the mound. You'll see the little emblem like on uh, on the pitcher's mound. Mm-hmm. But when you know, here comes Patrick Sandoval. <laughs> you know, whatever you know, Liberty Liberty Mutual. You know, like <laughs> so you have these guys who, you know, sure they they draw sponsorships. You know crowd and all these other guys but you have otani that just brings a global audience i mean you're gonna lose a lot of sponsors if otani's out you're gonna lose a lot of eyes if otani's out a lot of merchandise if otani's out i mean you go to the gift shop nowadays you want to talk about a team who doesn't properly market their guys the angels are one of the best examples they don't do anything on youtube really i mean they just have some crappy videos on there Mm -hmm. uh they don't make the players accessible or personable the Dodgers have a YouTube channel. The Cubs have a YouTube channel. Like, the Cubs are the best example. I don't really even like the Cubs, but I'll watch their YouTube videos because they're entertaining. Like, they used to have, like, Anthony Rizzo. Uh, was it Anthony Rizzo? Yeah, he was, like, a host or whatever of a show. And, like, 
uh, he would like put players versus like their wives or whatever to see like, you know, who knows more about this or that. Like it was just really entertaining kind of videos mm -hmm. that are just like, this is stupid. And I love it because it gives you just this level of access to the players that you don't have normally. You know, the Angels hardly took batting practice during the Joe Madden era. And I understand that's how Madden rolled, but that made that level of the fan experience that much harder. Now the players are inaccessible because they're taking batting practice underground in the batting cages. So now kids can't get autographs or kids can't catch a ball from, you know, the no-name bullpen, backup bullpen catcher. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But see, those are the moments that make kids fans. And this team is just so bad at marketing themselves. You go to the gift shop, Trout, Otani, nobody else exists. You know, hey, I want a Rendon jersey. Well, good fucking luck, bro. Go on MLBshop.com. <laughs> you know, I want a Jared Walsh. I want a David Fletcher. Who's that? <laughs> you know, I've literally asked um, a uh, employee at the Hall of Fame store, what, last year. Hey, uh, do you guys have any Jared Walsh jerseys? Straight up, the guy said, who's that? I'm not even kidding. The guy worked there. Wow. Who's that? They don't have specific players. Like, there was a time where I can go into the Angels gift shop and buy a Carlos Perez t-shirt. Why? I Who would buy one besides Ace? Bless your heart, Ace. Love you. Um, I, that's the only person I ever saw wear one. And, hey, I, I'll never talk trash about Ace. She knows She forgot more about baseball today than I'll ever know. Absolutely. But, um, you know, you get my point. There was a time where you can go to the gift shop and buy a John McDonald shirt, if you remember mm -hmm. him. Mm -hmm. You can buy an Efren Navarro shirt. Those days are gone, brother. If it's not Otani or Trout, they don't exist. Yeah, that's that's definitely a shame. I mean, um, <clears throat> you know, even when we had our closer here. Um, but, but I mean, you would want retro jerseys. I mean, I've I've gone to many other team stores uh, you know, in Seattle, I went to Oakland, um, and as much as they trade players, yeah, you, you can, you could find older Oakland players there. You could find a catfish hunter Jersey. Um, you know, you go to San Diego, obviously you have the Gwyns. uh, you could find a Ken Caminiti RIP to him. Um, there's, you know, you could find stuff like that. You, you, you can't do that here in Anaheim. That's, that's for damn sure. That's a good point. Uh, the 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 best anything Disney era nothing California Angels I mean you can get like like the the jackets or whatever I think they have like some throwback ones of that but mm -hmm. it's we're talking slim pickings oh very slim pickings and then yeah uh, you just don't have it I mean the closest thing you have to that is on the lower level when you walk by the uh, the uh, nostalgia area they have some uh, practice jerseys or spring training jerseys from random players that's about all you got really. Uh, you, you really don't have that yeah. taste of the history, and I think that hurts the Angels. And like you said, I mean, I would love to see an American Express uh, commercial with Shohei Otani, you know, in his broken English. Uh, you know, he looks like the kind of funny guy. It'd I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like just the way he presents himself, the the reasons that they've been able to market him is not because the Angels pro. Pro, uh, proactiveness it's been because he's just that relatable but if they were able to take you know an aggressive move and to, to push him to get advertisers or advertisements for the team or for himself the guy could be much much bigger on an american uh, slate because of his his smile makes you happy his his demeanor makes you feel like there's good people in this world 
even if you feel like, hey, man, that guy's a piece of shit next to me. You see Otani and you're just like, yeah. well, you know, people are cool. You know, he changes your, yeah. you know, he's, he just, <laughs> yeah, you, you, you get that good feeling with him. And I would love to see him out there more. Well, I mean, and, and another big reason is because, you, you know, I, he plays on the West Coast. And I don't mean it like in the sense of like, oh, well, here we go. You know, here's the bias. But it's so true, dude. Like the people out on the East Coast are so bluntly ignorant yep. to them thinking that they're the best and what they have is the best. Newsflash, the East Coast sucks. Your food sucks. Your traffic sucks. Your city <laughs> smells like crap. The people there are rude. Nobody knows how to drive. You name it, the East Coast is absolute garbo. And those people are so ignorant, truly believing that they're God's gift to man. They don't care about the West Coast. Honestly, this whole thing about an East Coast bias should not exist. And the reason I say that is because it's funny. Those people have no problem staying awake to watch Sunday night football till midnight or watching WrestleMania go on till 10 or 11 o'clock at night or whatever UFC pay-per-view is taking place on the West Coast in Las Vegas. They don't care. They'll stay up for that kind of stuff. But, oh, Shoei Otani's... Uh, playing on the west coast ah it's past my bedtime newsflash brother you're gonna do cocaine off a taxi cab later you're gonna be awake anyway (laughs) and see that's the thing i've never liked either man because you can get a dog shit game the night let's just be honest the niners and and rams have never you know have not always been consistently good they've had a couple down years to where they were third and fourth place teams the reason why i bring them up is because like you said They'll stay up on the East Coast Riders and watch an, a bad Niners take on a bad Rams game with backup quarterbacks, but they can't sit through a Giants-Dodgers series battle for first place, an Angels-Astros uh, series battle for first place, uh, stuff like that. I mean, it's to me, it's always been the baseball Riders that are the problem. I think but if the Yankees are playing the Pirates. Yeah, yeah, go figure. Or the Red Sox. <laughs> oh, and- I love this. Yeah, yeah, what's ESPN going to do next year when the Red Sox and Yankees don't get to play each other 150 times? You know, implode. Yeah, like every Sunday night baseball was, hey, Yankees, Red Sox. Uh, but but yeah, I mean, this is um, definitely a problem. Uh, you know, and like it's it's when I meant about wanting to see Shohei Otani out there more. I'm not sticking with the merchandise thing. We we know God knows he has way too many bobbleheads during the season, way too many giveaways. I know I know Artie's trying <laughs> I need to milk all those, by the way. Yeah, he's trying to milk that cow as much as he can. But I'm talking about like you were talking about the jerseys need to be sold. We need to see the the retro guys. We need to see the history of this team. Where's a Doug DeSenseis? Where's a Wally Joyner? Where's a Reggie Jackson? Where's uh Mike Where's Witt? The Eckstein's? Where's the Salmons? Yes, where are the Garrett Andersons? I mean, honor your goddamn history. Yeah, you go to you do a nice little montage. Especially there. because we have a Hall of Fame store, dude. We have a you know we mm-hmm. have a store where you would go and specifically think it'd be there. You know, if you're a guy who's never been to Angel Stadium, and you're like, oh, the Hall of Fame store is sick. I'm gonna go in there and get Nolan Ryan jersey. <laughs> Psych. Psych, bro. I'm gonna get this Mike Trout jersey. That's not even like a retro Mike Trout jersey. It's just a regular one. Yeah. And, and not even with a 27 on the front. So, I mean, the thing the thing I hate, too, is that you realize how many jerseys could be sold if they sold the jersey that Randy wants, which is that, you know, Los Angeles Angels PCL jersey. A cool, you know, just have a few of those on hand. I, I know those would sell like hotcakes. Um, you know, those retro jackets you brought up sell like hotcakes when they actually have them. Um, a Tim Salmon is beloved there. Hell, even, even though Mark Gubazov pitched a half a season with us, the fact he's a commentator and so beloved, why not have a Gubazal jersey up there? 
um, you know, those things would sell, but unfortunately doesn't happen. Well, it's funny for a guy who made most of his money through literal marketing and, you know, John Carpino being a marketing guy, you know, the Halo bros were talking about how good they've been at marketing the team. I kind of disagree. I mean, they've made their money. So they're, they've been selling the rights of the team to, you know, be shown on TV to the right people. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, I don't think the angels do a great job marketing. You know, you drive around town in the beginning of baseball season and you see maybe three to five billboards. Mm-hmm. Like in 2020, they had the Anthony Rendon one that said Viva and it was Rendon on it. Okay, cool. You know, Rendon was the hot ticket item for that year, right? Mm-hmm. He was his first year, so you needed to sell the tickets. Great. And then last year was Rendon, Trout, and Otani, and I forgot what it said. But, you know, they're, they don't do an amazing job marketing. I mean, they should be out there, man. They should be doing events. How come you're not sending the, uh, what do they call the the strike force? You know, you should be sending those ladies to like downtown Disney to encourage people to come to a game. Like, hey, kids, you know, play cornhole. And if you get it in the hole, here's, you know, two tickets to the game to send mm-hmm. the nosebleeds on a Sunday with your family. You know, growing up in San Diego, you used to see the Padres at all kinds of events. You know, just giving things out or, you know, oh, here's some leftover bobbleheads, kids. Here you go. Yeah. Give them to the kids. And all of a sudden the kid's going to be like, hey, yo, who's this Mike Trout guy? Dad, I want to, you know, let's go. And the dad's like, all right, whatever. You know, I hate yeah. my life. I'll go I'll go to the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, like we talked about it before, like last year, they should be going to schools that are, you know, maybe the, they're not the best economic areas. And you can go in there and give away a few family four packs or invite, you know, say, hey. I just got out Downey. Jesus. Yeah, the, the the classes that uh, the the or this or you know maybe make it a contest the fit the best fifth grade class that has the best grades for this uh, the month or whatever or student of the month wins you know angels tickets or something the entire class gets to go gets to meet Mike Trout yeah I mean do something like that to where it's a good PR move and because like to me when they give away these giveaways at the stadium that's all well and nice to the fans that pay to go and everything else like that but you should have a separate thing like to me. I would make a shit ton of those, uh, um, what do you call it, the flags, the angel flags. Because if you have those angel flags, angel fans are going to have those on their cars anyway. But if you're giving those away to random people, like, hey, say, say for instance, you set up the strike force in front of an Albertsons in Anaheim or Santa Ana, and you're giving away angels flags or, or you're giving away like little, uh, you know, um, you know, tote bags with little angels gear and it's stickers and stuff to give to the kids. Like you said, that's going to go a long way to build a new fan. You don't need to be giving away that stuff per se every time at a game where you already have the fans. Give it to people who aren't the fans yet, who haven't been to a baseball game, who have just arrived in the country and just arrived in the state. Let them get a taste of Angels Stadium. And I think that's how you win over fans because you've said it before, I've said it before, the Dodgers do a great job of that. You know, they'll hit the inner city. They'll they'll give away free shit to, to encourage fans. And I think that's what can bring a love – of the team and the and the source of community together if you're more in an outreach than you are than just hey come to us let's go to you that's that should be the yeah. uh, marketing ploy there's no reason literally zero reason why the angels shouldn't be giving out free tickets on a tuesday where they're playing the baltimore orioles correct literally give out twenty thousand tickets oh well then we're not going to make any money brother nobody's going to those games anyway Okay. <laughs> Nobody wants to go on a Thursday when we're playing the Pittsburgh Pirates in the middle of August. Okay. It's gross outside because it's humid. Nobody wants to see the team 
that you're playing against because of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Oh, I want to see Michael Chavis. Great. Oh, I want to see G-Man Choi now. Hooray! Because they just got him. <laughs> yeah, I heard but, about you know, that. The fact of the matter is that, man, there is no reason why the Angels shouldn't just be giving out free tickets left and right during that time. Why? Because it costs them nothing. Those tickets aren't going to be full anyway. And let's face it, the Angels don't make money off of ticket sales. They make the money off the concessions. Why? Because that soda that you paid $6 for with the cup costs them 15 cents. That's how they're making their money. They're making it off of the concessions. And when people go to games and if people got a free ticket inside, you know what they're a lot more likely to do, Todd? They're a lot more likely to spend money. Absolutely. I'm not going to spend a lot of money if I paid $100 for 4C. Okay, well, we're talking $400 now. I'm not going to spend a lot of money there. Why? I'm going to tell my kid, hey, brother, we're going to eat before we go. We'll get you that Happy Meal that you want to eat anyway. Mm-hmm. But if I got free tickets, oh, you want a cheeseburger at Big A Burger? $12? No problem. Here you go. Why? Because I didn't have to pay for for my ticket that day. You know what? On those days where it's empty, have free parking. I mean, I don't know if you can do that because I know the city of Anaheim owns it, but work something out with the city. Hey, maybe it's a tax write-off for you guys. Parking's free tonight, fans. Come on down. Come for the tailgate. Or what about what about $5 you know what I mean? parking? Have Just... team sponsored. There you go. Have have team sponsored tailgates. Have a player come out. Hell, have Roger Lodge throw it. Like what they used to do, like Fiesta Angels. I know they did like an impromptu one this year, but it wasn't a big deal like it used to be. They didn't they haven't done Angels Moving Day since pre-COVID. And the thing with Moving Day mm-hmm. is it's the closest thing that fan fest we've got. We don't have a fan fest. That's a formal yeah. one. Yep. You know, you pick that should be a thing, man. Have a fan fest. Bring some, you know, balance houses for the kids. Have some of the players come out. Keep doing what you're doing, selling like old promotion items and old jerseys and stuff. But you see what I mean? Like, there's so many evening things you can do to make this team more accessible to the fans. Because if the players are accessible and fans are happy, they'll spend money. And I don't even mean the team needs to win. If fans are having a good time, they will spend money on a losing product. Don't believe me. Check San Diego, man. That's a minor league city. And all of a sudden, these fans decided to start caring about the Padres. People who, you know, I've been friends with for my entire life, never heard them say a damn thing about baseball. All of a sudden, the Padres are good, and they're all in. That's how you get fans all in, man. Sure, you have to win, but the Padres do such a good job of making their players available for the fans. They have like kid autograph signings almost every Sunday. They do concerts in their little grass area mm-hmm. behind center field. They do just so many things that make fans want to come out there. The Angels don't do it, man. It's frustrating. It is, and we've heard Ace talk about it on the post game show. Uh, you know, they don't treat their their season ticket holders good, and it starts with that. Do, yeah, it, I mean, it starts with that, and then it moves down. And obviously, if you don't have that connection again with the fans, with the community, you're going to isolate yourself, and then you're going to get back to, hey, we're going to be like hockey, where hockey's just a, a you know, um, instead of being a worldwide thing, it's it's regional. I don't want the Angels to be that regional team. You know, the Dodgers can transcend and have a have an outside fan base. You know, when they go to Houston, when they go to New York, when they go to Philly, and that's because they relate. You know, they 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 put a good touch on you because of their history because of uh, the way they market their team and uh, the nostalgia factor, the fact that you could still go in a Dodger team store and buy a Kirk Gibson jersey. 
Um, just all that is right there. And go in there buy a Pedro, a uh, yeah, Pedro Martinez jersey or a Manny Ramirez jersey. Yeah, exactly. And those guys, I mean, again, when they were here briefly, they they made a big impact. So I mean, um, you know, the fact that we don't have Vlad Guerrero jerseys on hand. I mean, when he was here, he was the biggest star. I mean, the Dodgers were were jealous that we had Guerrero. Um, so you know, that has got to change. A Weaver jersey. Yeah, that has got to change. That has got to change moving forward with the new ownership and the new marketing scheme because, again, like you said, um, you walk into an Angel game, bro, and I've gone to a couple games this year because I got free tickets from friends or whatever or from the marketing standpoint, we got a few free tickets. And, um, yeah, it's it's definitely different when you're paying $104 or $115 or $50 to sit close to home home plate to whereas you get free tickets and you're still sitting in decent tickets or even decent seats, um, you smell those nachos and you become like Paul Sorrento and you're like, Hey man, I didn't pay for these. And you have that, you're only what's 20 bucks for some nachos, you know, or, 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 Hey, you know what? Uh, my kid wants a, a burger. I'll get him the combo. You know what I mean? It's stuff like that happens. And you're right. The, the team's making money hand over fist, whereas just paying to get in really doesn't mean as much as it used to. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Dominic and I talked about this on the last episode that him and I did that you weren't able to make. We were talking about the fact that baseball needs to do a little bit more to become a more international game. The footprint is there, man. They have such a dominant Latino, you know, player force of talented players. Every team has one or two absolute stud Latino players. So that takes care of that market, right? All of a sudden there's an appeal there, whether you're, you know, Mexican, Cuban, Dominican, the list goes on and on. You know, you have those prominent Latin players who are known around the globe. You know, you have your Asian players who attract that market. Obviously you have, you know, white players, black players. Baseball is becoming a much more international game, right? So why are they not doing more to reach out to that international audience? I mean, you have games like soccer. Dude, how is soccer such a big game? I mean, the reason why it's so, you know, it's so popular is because it's cheap to play. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's a lot of countries that can't even, that don't even have Wi-Fi. They don't even know Wi-Fi is who love soccer. Why? Because it's, it's a cheap game to play. All you need is a ball. Baseball is one of the more expensive games to play, right? You need a glove. You need a helmet. You need a bat. You know, you need balls. So, you know, for one person to play baseball, we're talking what? About $100 to $150 on equipment, assuming, you know, you don't just get it handed to you, which, you know, in these poorer countries, that's probably not a thing that's happening. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times. We're talking about a $10 ball and there you go. Yeah, it's sort of like just like football too. I mean, and I think another thing that's hurting the the game um, na- nationally anyway, we talked about this before, the NBA, it only has so many slots. It's not like, you know, professional football and baseball where, you know, you have a better chance of getting into the league even if you don't make it. You know, NBA is so hard to get into. You have to be the best of the best. Whereas, you but know, they have you, international leagues, a ton of international. Leagues. Yeah, they have a ton of international leagues, but even then you have to be good, you know, and some of those some of the older guys that left That's the right. NBA go over there and take up spots. My thing with baseball is what is our society now? Social media. We want it now. We want instant results. We want instant gratification. 
uh, it's harder to get someone to work a construction job per se to a fast food job. You know what I mean? They, they, if they could take the easier route and get similar pay, they'll do it. Um, my, the, the reason why I bring that up is because how many athletes want to pay, like you say, f- to, for the, the gear and everything else like this, work their way through high school, either get drafted or, or have to go to college first play a couple years there and then get drafted or, or get on sign onto a team with no guarantees to make the pros. We've gone through the, the bad history of recent times with, um, with, with the minor league system being the way it is and, and hard to live, hard to get by. So you're not getting paid much. Whereas instant gratification in the NFL and NBA, you get drafted. You for the most part, you're getting paid. And I, and I think that's been a problem with baseball. They don't pay their minor leaguers. And that's what that, there's no incentive for for the inner city kids, and that's where a lot of people are like, where do the black athletes go? Well, they don't want, they don't have an incentive to play. The, you know, their mom has to work two jobs sometimes for them to get to college. So then, for the and I'm not being racial, it happens with white families too. But I'm saying in inner city, man, maybe some of these families just they can't afford it. So you don't, you want you have an athlete, you want to groom them for football to get that instant paycheck, to get mom that house that she so deserves, to move out of the bad area, to move into the nice area. In baseball, you really have to put in the time, and I think that's what's hurt the American athlete, not just you know the black athlete, but the American athlete. From a, if you ask a lot of these players, like look at Kyler Murray. He was he was drafted by the Oakland A's. He was a baseball player first. Russell Wilson. A lot of these NFL players were baseball players first, but they t- they chose to take that paycheck right away. And, and and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, but also you know when you do get to the major leagues, you are going to last longer. True. In theory, as a baseball player, mm-hmm. than you will as an NFL player or an NBA player. Because both those games are so physical, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, you have guys like Brett Favre who can't even remember his own name most. Of the time. <laughs> he doesn't you even know? remember and... stealing from the welfare. <laughs> yeah, it's that's a horrible situation. <laughs> but you know, you get what I'm saying. Yeah, you know, yeah. you get to that point where you do once you crack the major leagues, and obviously that's easier said than done. Like, mm-hmm. like we've said before, and we've had people on the show say. As a major leaguer, not only are you a 1%, you're the 1% of that 1% that made it to the minor leagues and made it through the minor leagues. But now you got to stay. But once you stay, you get guys like Pools who have been there for over 20 years. You get guys like, you know, Kershaw who are going to be there for 20 years. I mean, you had guys like Ricky Henderson who was there for like 65 years. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Once you get in there, <laughs> you're, you're, you're in there. So well, that, well, that's yeah, you- one built-in advantage that baseball does have. Exactly, because you could you could pull up a player like Mark DeRosa, who's the manager right now of the American team. And you could say that he was an average ball player at best. But like you said, he made it through the minors. He played on and off uh, starting roles for about a good eight to ten years. He racked up millions of dollars. Whereas, you know, maybe a running back will have a shelf life of three or four years, and he'll be lucky to play out his full contract or get a first big contract. So, yeah, the, the risk and reward – you know, obviously baseball, like you said, I totally agree. It's just getting those youthful players or those athletes to buy into, hey, put in the hard work, work really hard, because I think that's where the Latin aspect has come into more. They, they want it more. They know that they can set up their families for years and, and generations to come. 
You know, Sammy Sosa's family does not have to worry about a goddamn thing anymore. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero's family, same thing. Now he could put his sons and his grandsons through baseball academies. Yeah. But, you know, we're also talking about a situation where these gentlemen are living in countries where 10,000 U.S. dollars is life-changing money. True. $10,000 here, you know, without sounding spoiled i mean most of us aren't getting out of bed for ten thousand dollars you know a year Mm -hmm. you know that's not even minimum wage but it's funny because ten thousand dollars is almost what minor league players get paid now we've quiet a little bit about that because minor leagues are shifting to be a little bit better housing is taken care of now they have to now provide a minimum of two meals a day most teams are providing three meals most teams are not only providing the minimum amount of housing, they're now allowing men to have single rooms. The Angels are still doing two twin beds. So, you know, hey, they're they're meeting the minimum requirement. That's not good enough, but it's something. You know, so I don't think we're very far away from the players getting paid more in the minors, especially now with the union starting to, you know, steamroll. Yeah, it's, but, that's going to um, be a big player moving forward. Yeah, I'm excited to see what comes out of it. I mean... You know, nobody should have to survive off of $12,000. No. You know, and anybody who disagrees, and believe me, we have the people who disagree. They hit up our inbox all the time. Like, nope, we're not, I'm not supporting this. And I'm sure you've seen them. You're wrong. You're dead wrong. I'm sorry. You're you're dead wrong. If you believe that a any human being, I don't care if it's, well, they signed up for it, $12,000. It's no different than like, you see a homeless veteran on the side of the road. Are you going to be like, well, they signed up for it. The, you know, the military was supposed to take care of them. No, you want to help them out because I, you know, we don't know what happened to get them in, to get to that situation. Just because they're living through that doesn't make, make it okay. And, you know, and that's an extreme example, of course. But what I'm saying is you wouldn't think to yourself, well, that homeless veteran, you know, Oh, that's the course he chose. No, yeah, you wouldn't. You I think know, that you wouldn't think that. That's the only thing that too that separates the NFL too is they have a committee that also in a commission that takes care of their veterans, former players. Uh, they have programs for their youth. Uh, they have programs to help uh, you know the young kids stay on course to have the best chance they can to be psychologically ready for the game and to not you know they have programs to where don't spend your money stuff like that. They they you know like spend it wisely. Daniel does that too. Yeah, they, you know, that that's the thing that, you know, baseball's got to catch up on. You know, uh, unfortunately, they haven't been progressive over the last few years. Uh, they're, they're just trying now to catch up, which you can't fault them for that. You're hoping that, you know, because you want progress at some point. Uh, but but look how long it's taken. And, uh, and I think, uh, like, it all goes back to marketability. Uh, it all goes back to uh, – because I, I could say this safely. I mean, like – when Griffey was in his prime and just before Griffey, you had a lot of black athletes and there was no, hey, we got to know what, how many percentage of black ball players are in the league. You, you didn't hear about that because there was enough and, and, and race wasn't an issue. But now, you know, with race being an issue in this world and then also them wanting to know why the black athlete isn't there because, you know, each culture brings something different to the game. And I think that's what's beauty to it. You know, they, they all play the game the same. But they bring a little added something to it, whether it's personality, whether it's the running factor, whether it's the hitting factor, uh, the power factor. Each culture can bring that, and uh, you know I think you need all those to be in in play. And not you're never going to get it even 
down the middle, but into a good, you know, good ratio, so to speak. And I think being able to change the game in the minor leagues and being signed is going to be the first step. And I think, like you said, you know, with the unionization of it, maybe coming up here soon and, and uh, you know, them paying more and making rules and protecting the young players, maybe that will attract more young, better athletes to not chase the NBA NFL dream and get back to chasing the American dream of baseball. Yeah. You know, I guess we'll see, man. Baseball and Rob Manfred specifically, just that's what they have to focus on right now. Making the game is starting to become international. Okay, great. Well, let's start getting, you know, the young kids here in the country to start liking the sport, regardless of race, Mm -hmm. you know, because that's only going to help you become more marketable. I agree. Uh, Anything else on this topic? No, I mean, the only, only thing I'll say is that if you were to have that kind of thing, because we've seen it in the Little League World Series, um, you know, where there's teams that come from either inner cities to go to the World Series or from cities unexpected, it brings the community together because they feel that pride. Like, oh, those are our kids. You know, that's our state's kids. So, you know, um, more of that would be helpful to this country. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, especially for, you know, some of those smaller states. I mean, you know, Florida, Texas, and California produce almost all the athletes all the time. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? You watch football, you watch basketball, you watch baseball. Oh, they're from Southern California. Oh, they're from, you know, Texas. You know, but the Wyomings, the Kentuckys, you know, those kind of states, those are the ones who would really be like, hey, that's our guy. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. The pride of New Orleans, pride of Minnesota, whatever. Exactly. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's real quick talk about the people who have been offered qualifying offers so far. And this is according to Jeff Passan. This was a list that was reported earlier, so it's probably already changed by now. But um, I'm going to go – I'm going to say the player. Okay. And I want you to tell me if you think they're going to accept the qualifying offer. So what is a qualifying offer to anybody wondering? <clears throat> it is essentially a one-year deal that you're signing with your organization – to stick around for a year, and it's valued at $19.65 million this year, which is higher than last year's and the year before mm-hmm. that. So uh, now the catch with the qualifying offer, if you're the player and you say no and you sign somewhere else. So if I'm on the Angels, the Angels offer me 19.65 in a qualifying offer, and I say no and I sign with the Giants. The, uh, the Giants, since they signed me, lose a draft pick i think it's the second or third round pick it used to be a first round pick that you signed but they don't do that anymore which bad news for the angels almost that's kind of what shot them in the in the foot a couple times when they signed Pujols, they lost their first round pick josh hamilton lost their first round pick you know cj wilson i think they lost their second round pick mm-hmm. so you know when you sign any of those guys who <clears throat> had a qualifying offer it hurts you I think it was Gary Matthews so, cost him a second too. No, there you go. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure there's a long list. Those are just the guys mm-hmm. that come to mind immediately. But all right, so once again, I'm going to throw it out there. Uh, we, you don't have to explain. Maybe we'll explain after maybe a couple of these guys. But just give me a yes or no. All right, Aaron Judge. Yes. You think he takes it? Oh, no, he takes it? No, um, I don't think he takes it, no. no. So yes means he's going to sign the one-year deal? No meaning no. Okay, got you. Okay, I'm so sorry. Now, I thought you meant yes, they're going to offer him one. Yeah, okay. No, no. These guys already got offered one. Okay. I'm sorry. My bad. So, Aaron Judge, you're saying no. Okay. Trey Turner from the Dodgers. 
No. Yeah, I don't think so. Is Xander Bogarts from the Red No. Sox? Yeah, I don't. I, I, he's a maybe, but I'm going to go with no if I really have to pick. Jacob DeGrom from the Mets. Yes. I think so too. He's been hurt a lot lately, and I think he wants a big deal. And I just don't think he's going to get one if he can't have a overall healthy season. But I mean, the guy is one of the best pitchers in baseball, if not the best pitcher in baseball. So and he looks at the owner, and he he feel, and he feels that he can get a good check from him, and he likes the fans. Yeah. Uh, Dansby Swanson. No. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna go with no. Carlos Rodon from the Giants. He opted no. out, I think. Of his yeah, he did. He did opt out. Uh, yeah, he he wants a long term deal. Brandon Nimmo. No. Yeah, we're good now. Wilson Contreras, formerly of the Cubs. I'd say yes. I'm gonna go no. I think he ends up on the south side of Chicago. Actually, no. They have a uh, Yosemite Grandel. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, no, I don't. I don't think he's gonna stick around there. He's gonna go somewhere else. Uh, Chris Bassett. Where, no. Where's Chris Bassett from? He's he's in New York right now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Anthony Rizzo from the Yankees. He just opted out. He did. Yeah. So I'm gonna go no. Tyler Anderson of the Dodgers. Oh, that was tough. I'm gonna go no. I'm gonna lean yes because of the success he could have there. Yeah, but I mean, he just had a career year. He's he, he's going to get paid somewhere. Why would he want to, you know, bet on himself yet again when he can just take that payday because he's going to get one? Unless he knows he can open it. Like, say, for instance, I would say he's one of those guys that he may say, hey, look, if I give you a good first half of the season, can we open up negotiations for a long term? Okay. Yeah, I, I can see where you're coming from there. I'm still saying, I'm still saying no. Uh, Martin Perez. No. Martin Perez. Yeah, good no also. Jock Peterson of the Giants. Ooh, that's – um. I'd have to say no because yes. I think dude wants to get paid. Okay. Yeah, but he's been taking a lot of one-year deals. True. I mean, what, what, I mean, I didn't – I don't know his numbers offhand, but would he? you think he'd be willing to go another bet on myself kind of contract? Uh, there's one more, so we'll talk about it right now by Jock Peterson. And last one here on this list is Nathan Ivaldi from the Red Sox. Oh, I say that's a big no. Yeah, same. Okay. So, Jock Peterson, let's see what his numbers were this year. So, this season, he had 380 at-bats. 23 home runs, 70 RBIs, three stolen base, about a 274 with a 353 on base percentage. That's not bad numbers, actually. Yeah, you know, and I know there's some people who want to see him in an Angels uniform <clears throat> to, you know, give him some support in left field. But uh, my whole thing with Jock Peterson is, I don't know, man. Now, if you sign him, you're going to be signing him for probably about 15-ish million. But I don't, I don't know. We're going we, we, to also lose a draft pick. Would you go four years and forty on him, or four? No, four years and uh, four years sixty on him. Let me see. What's he? Let me see if they have a projected on him. He only made six last year. I I think he's due for a good. He's not a hundred million dollar player, but I I think he's somewhere between sixty and eighty, you know, uh, max. Uh, but I would, to be honest with you, 
it, the way I would go about it this year, especially with Adele, I mean, you've seen only what five, maybe seven home runs total from him during a season. Um, and you know, he's been very up and down literally through the minors, um, to, to get him going, he needs pressure. Like as far as staying on the roster, keep him on the roster, but to have a good right-handed left-handed type combo um, let him get settled in against lefties before he starts hitting righties. Have Jock Peterson platoon with him. You know, uh, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind that. Yeah, I mean, I, I like what Jock Peterson gives you. He gives you a consistent bat in the lineup. You know, he's not going to take the world by storm. He'll give you 15 to 25 home runs. You know, he'll bat in that 260, 280 mm-hmm. ballpark. And you know what? In some cases, maybe that's good enough. And how many how many walks did he have? I could have swore he did pretty good in the walk department. Um, yeah, I'll check right now. I'm trying to see what his projected value is. His market value is listed at four years, fifty eight million. So that's what fourteen point six a year. Mm-hmm. About fifteen would so, be all right. Yeah, I mean, it's a little more than I want to pay for him. I mean, I would have wanted to give him like twelve million a year, but you know. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, let me look up his walks. Because I, I believe he has some value there. He steals some bases every now and then. You know, his defense isn't really a liability. Yeah, no. So he has an on-base percentage of 353. So, you know, he gets on base for sure. And let me see. In terms of walks, he walked 42 times last season. It's not bad. I mean, it's not great, but it's it's not bad. His most walks he ever got in the season was in 2019 as a Dodger. He walked 50 times? Yeah, 50 times. Okay. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Actually, oh, no, that was in the minors. We kind of know what he is. I mean, he does strike out a little bit, but damn who nowadays doesn't. It's just keeping it down. I think he puts the ball in play way more than a lot of our hitters do. So anytime you can get players with better on-pace percentages than what we've had the last couple of years, I think it's a plus. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be bummed completely to see him in an Angels uniform. But once again, the problem there is the um, just the lack of a draft pick. You're going to be losing a draft pick. But, you know, as of right now, man, the Angels have to go all in on this season because, A, if you want to retain Otani – you're going to have to prove to him that this organization has what it takes to win. And they just haven't done that, man. They, they really have not, they have not proven that to anybody. I totally agree. And it's been really frustrating. So this year is definitely going to be something as we move closer into free agency and who's going to be going where, um, how we're going to build this squad. And uh, you know, as we get closer to spring training, we'll know what we have. Um, but uh, for right now, there's just so many questions, man. I mean, so many questions. And I've already seen a couple players and transactions being done so far. I mean, uh, free agency starting off a lot faster than I thought. Um, you know, and Dusty Baker re-signed as a, as a manager for next year, one-year deal. Um, so we're, we're going to see some stuff. Uh, thoughts real quick, though, too, since we're talking Angels, obviously. Um, they get Marcus Thames as a hitting instructor. I don't know if you guys touched on this uh, in the last show. Um, we did not. Oh, yeah. And, and so you get Thames and you get his assistant coming over from the Yankees. And then uh, you still got Sorrento. And and uh, Cheeto's there, too. Well, at least Sorrento's not. 
Sereno is probably is going to have a different position with the organization, right? He won't be a coach, from our understanding. Yeah, so I think he'll be. He'll be head uh, nacho cheese director or something like that. Hey, maybe the players won't get food poisoning this year. Clearly, <laughs> Paul Sereno doesn't get it often. So that dude has an iron you know, stomach. Crazy. What are you talking about, man? Yeah, right. He's over here eating the <laughs> the the bottom of like the crusty uh, bean bin at Taco Bell. Oh. He, he purposely shows up 10 minutes before they close. Can you, the rest of your beans? you have to take one of those jackhammers to get the beans off the pot. And he's just like, he somehow finds the strength to, sco- to scrape it off and chew it. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, right. He, he likes his beans crunchy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, but. Hey, he had some success with the Marlins, right? Was it the Marlins? It was the Yankees. He had some success with the Yankees. Yeah, it was success with the Yankees. And, um, you know, um, he was a, a, a decent instructor with the Marlins. So he's been passed around a little bit. Um, I, I just I just hope he preaches batting practice. I mean, that would be a, a step in the right direction, right? That's really going to be what Phil Nevin wants, right? I mean, Phil Nevin knows him, right? Phil Nevin was with the Yankees organization at the same time. So, time will tell, man. You know, at the end of the day, at least they moved on from Jeremy Reed. You know, if Paul Sereno is going to be doing something else not related to coaching, whatever, man. You sit over there, you look pretty, and you collect your paychecks. Whatever you got to do, mm-hmm. do it, but not here. <laughs> yeah, whatever he's done to keep his job with the organization, I, I would love to interview him just for that question. Uh, and 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 preference it with – What kind of knee pads do you have, Paul? Yeah, and, and preference it the way that you you say something where you're like, I don't mean to be a bigot, but I'm going to ask this. You yeah. know what I mean? Like you have to say it first, so I'd be like, I don't mean to be a dick, but let me ask you this. You know? My goddamn assistant hitting coach. Yeah. <laughs> I swear, dude, I'm going to buy a That's Sereno jersey and put some nacho cheese on it. We're going to raffle that sucker off at the end of the year, dude. Do it. Yep. We need to get it signed. We do. We're going to find a way. We're going to do it. Dude, I, I, I hope he doesn't know what that means and we run into him at, at some point during the season. Why is there cheese in the jersey? Oh, you got to get to watch the show. <laughs> uh, oh, you're the nacho cheese guys? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I should put if I should put Sorrento on the back of the jersey or Nacho Man or something. You should get You should get one that says Lodge on it. <laughs> we can get it signed by Roger, and you can raffle that one off. Yeah, but see, I think the pro, the, the appropriate thing for him is to have uh, uh, what is it, the uh, Roger Lodge lipstick? Because you know what I mean, like that's the bootlicking house man, man. And, you know, or have some boots with kiss marks on them or something. Uh, hey, that's fine. Yeah, can you sign these, Roger? <laughs> what are these for? They're the John Stamos fours. <laughs> They're the Stamos fours. <laughs> Johnny, uh, the Johnny Twos, right? Oh my God! Well, that's all I got. You got anything else? No, man. No more. Good talk today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I mean, if you're still hung with us this long into the show, uh, we're looking to have. Um, I think me and Fernando are going to come up with some player profiles. Maybe talk some Angels po- uh, past seasons. Uh, talk some highs and lows. Uh, definitely get into whoever signs of the angels we'll, we'll probably do a breakdown episode or a short talking about uh you know the player and what we expect from them and there's me a lot to talk about moving forward I, i'm sure you'll agree uh fernando 
Yeah, we got some fun interviews coming up. We've been waiting for the instructs to end so we can have uh, Edgar Cuero and Zach Neto come on. So those are going to be some fun interviews when those happen uh, what, next week or the week after. So we're, we're coming up pretty quick. I, I think we're probably going to drop them after the new year, uh, you know, to kick off season three. But um, yeah, so some some different stuff on the horizon. I, we're planning on doing some kind of March Madness style episode when March rolls around. So, you know, we're not going to be the kind of show that just sits around for three hours. Like, well, I think we should sign Dansby Swanson and uh, trade for this guy. Like, no, I mean, there's enough of those Angels shows. You guys want that. You guys know where to find it. But, you know, we'd like to offer some different kind of content. Absolutely. And then plus we're going to get into um... – We'll probably do some, um, uh, you know, like you said, replaying of of older uh, episodes of interviews. So we'll have that lined up for everybody as well, Um, because we did do a lot of great interviews this last year. And we'll probably just do maybe a run of that during December, January, you know. Yeah, probably at least December, closer to Christmas, you know, like we did last year. Mm hmm. So, yeah, stay tuned, guys. Stay tuned. A lot of stuff. Uh, give us a five-star review wherever you get your podcast. Tell your friends. Follow us on all our social medias. At Halos in the Infield on basically everything available. You know, TikTok, Twitter, uh, Instagram. You know, Twitter for now. We'll see how long Twitter lasts. Yeah. See Elon. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, yeah. Make sure, to, make sure to follow us on our personal stuff. We never really say that. Exactly. But we're there. You just gotta search, search us up. Stuff is if you want it. Yeah, if you want I, my stuff's private for most of the things. But mm-hmm. if you don't look like a serial killer, I'll accept you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Sounds good, my man. So, for Halos in the infield, this is Todd Fox, along with the Lone Star Halo, Fernando. All right, Fernando. Have a good one.